if you really enjoy working with AI, that's great. But if you don't enjoy it, yeah, don't force it on yourself. Go do something else that you do like. Because it's more important to not feel that you're working because you're just having a lot of fun than forcing your career in some way. It doesn't matter. It's just like, okay, maybe yes, maybe no. But it's better to bet on your own interests. Like, what do you what do you want to do? Like, what 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 interests you? What what do you want to work for? What do you want to do more of? Figure that out. You'll never work. It'll just feel like fun. You're listening to the Yo Podcast with Rob Hope. Jorn van Dijk is a Dutch designer, startup investor, and CEO of the Framer website builder. After leaving his role as one of the early product designers at Facebook, he co-founded Framer in 2014, which was then a prototyping tool. Nine years and several strategic shifts later, Framer evolved into a robust website builder, earning admiration from top designers across the world. We wrap about the upcoming road to $100 million revenue, explore the product roadmap, the potential impact of AI on the template building industry, and just how Framer hype up those good product launches. Yo, Jorn, welcome to the show, my man. Yo, yo, <laughs> here we go. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Let's jump into a fun intermission. Sure. It's called Overrated, Underrated. Ooh. I'm going to give you a topic, a brand, a person, and you just need a quick fire back if you think it is overrated, underrated, or properly rated. You got it. Okay. I like this. Let's do it. Co-founders. Oh, uh, underrated. Daft Punk. Properly rated. Best band in the world. Kaleidoscope for Mac. Oof. Uh, outdated, but underrated. If you compare it to File Merge, it's uh, it's pretty good. ChatGPT. Properly rated. Groundbreaking in my mind. I use it every day. Came out of nowhere. And uh, I use it half an hour each day. Easy. Mark Zuckerberg as a designer. Ooh. Underrated. Minimalism. It is what it is. I guess. I don't have a rating for, for the style of minimalism. Properly rated. Properly rated. French Chardonnay. Best in the world. Everything you can drink from Burgundy is uh, probably best in class. I go for Merceau or uh, uh, Rui, but uh, yeah, I'm a big fan of French, uh, French wise. Good stuff. Satoshi typeface. Very nice. I use it. So probably properly rated. I like it. Banning cars driving in city centers. That's that's a good thing. We should do that. So that makes it underrated, underrated. because it's not happening, right? Stroop waffle. Uh, Stroop waffles. Properly rated. They're they're good. And lastly, sharing revenue in public as a startup. Uh, properly rated. It really depends on like what you wanna achieve with it. Do what works for you. So you mentioned to, uh, you know, Red in his recent deep dive, which I will link to. It was a wonderful conversation. Thanks. That Framer, it's doubled revenue, you know, every couple of months for that little while. How are things looking now? How's the vibes at Framer? Pretty good. Pretty good. Um, I wouldn't say we doubled them every uh, every month. Then then I would be really, 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 that would be that would be insane. But um, we've been growing uh, or we, yeah, we, we launched Framer Sites, which is now just a regular Framer in May last year. And then in November, things really started to, to heat up um, and uh, it hasn't hasn't slowed down yet. So the growth that we had in November is still with us uh, here all the way in May and June. So it's a high growth uh, startup. And yeah, I could not be more excited about having that uh, for the company. To dive a little deeper, you know, in 2018, you took a Series B investment from Atomico. Yeah. And you mentioned that at that time, before it sort of plateaued, is that there was growth, you know, the prototyping was was doing great. It was, yeah. Now, 
I want to know is that is the graph currently similar to that time in 2018 now? No. Or is it just way more hockey stick? Uh, it's way more hockey stick. Yeah, so this is like the growth that we're now seeing is double what we had when we were scaling uh, the prototyping product. Okay, wow, that's brilliant, man. Month over month. So it, it really starts to, uh, yeah, it starts to add up. It's good. Prototyping, yeah, prototyping wasn't terrible. It was just like we're hitting some sort of like max of how many people that wanted to prototype, which is um, a problem that we had to solve. Well, first of all, congrats, man. It's really exciting. It's been a it's been a long journey. Thank you for listeners out there with their startups. You know, currently picking up, they're considering funding. What advice do you have for them? You know, when and why? It really depends. Let me caveat this by saying I'm I'm by no means an expert. We've raised money with uh, with Framer, this company, and with our first company so far, we bootstrapped it and um, we didn't raise any money. We didn't really know about venture capital when we started that company, and so yeah, I have some insights to both and it depends on 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 your goals and your ambitions um, with framer our ambition was to or is to build a pretty big company that impacts a lot of uh, people and and the industry as a whole for that to work out you're going to need capital and you're going to need to take some risk and you're going to have to figure out how to scale and maybe hire some more people than you'd be comfortable with. And so if that is your ambition, and, and so yeah, for us, the end station would be we IPO. Then the question is like, how many companies raised venture capital to IPO and how many didn't? Mm. And then you got to make up your own minds. Like, what do you what do you want to do? In a, in a way, raising money is, is um, there's a lot of angles that you can discuss from, you know, there, there's a game element to it. There's knowing the right people pitching, blah, blah, blah. But the only thing that really matters for your ability to raise money is if you made a product that people like. If you made a product that people like, you're going to have a much easier time going to an investor and saying, hey, you know, with some additional capital, we could get more people to like this product or we could build the product out faster or we could market it better or we could advertise it in a, in a clever way. Um, if you don't have a product that people already like, then... You can also raise capital, but I don't, we don't have experience with that. Like we first built the first version of Framer, started selling it, started iterating on it. And only when we had some initial usage and people uh, and traction, did we consider raising, uh, raising some, some capital. But bootstrapping is also like, uh, is, a, is a fantastic option for so many people. Um, you, you can be, be bootstrapped by yourself, you can be bootstrapped with 10 people, 100 people, and all depends on what you want as a founder and your goals. A huge shout out to this episode sponsor, Lemon Squeezy, who I use to power payments across my full network of websites. Lemon Squeezy is also seamlessly integrated within the Framer interface. You'll find the Lemon Squeezy component in the insert panel under the utilities section. Once inserted, you can pick between using a direct payment link or a checkout overlay to sell your digital products within the same page. It's also great to know the required script is only loaded once per page. So your sites load fast no matter how many products you're selling. So sign up free at lemonsqueezy.com today to streamline your online payments. So in 2018, you, you know, with a graph half as good, you took investment before the plateau. Would you say now is a brilliant time to take more investment right now while things are on fire? It depends. <laughs> <laughs> We're getting pretty confident that with the pivots, we corrected for a lot of things that the first products didn't uh, achieve. And so I'll give you one example. For prototyping, prototyping, we bet it 
that people, um, I'm going to talk about like usage of the product, right? And so yeah, if people use your product, it's a great indicator that you can find more people of in that area. And so for prototyping, we looked at how many minutes or hours a week would Rob Hope use the product to get his job done. And if we would get those minutes up, Rob would be more successful and we would be able to find more Robs and in that way sort of like expand the user base. And with sites, it's the usage is, is very different uh, in relation to if we want to fundraise or not. Like right now, I think we're very confident that this is going to be an amazing year for Framer. And we can sort of like, from all the metrics that um, stopped working with prototyping products that we've corrected for the product that we have now. Like we, I'm pretty confident that I don't see any red flags as to why they would stop working. And so for us, the end of the year, even with the product development that we can still do and the marketing that we can still do, we can sort of like plot out and see, I'm like 80% confident that we're going to get to that level of revenue by the end of the year. And so the question's more, would it go faster if we would take on more money now? Because if the answer is not really, then it's not wise to raise money now. But if the answer is yes, with more money, we go faster and we can end the year even stronger or prepare ourselves better for next year where we have to, you know, triple or um, at minimum. And that is sort of like how we think about it. Would you say taking funding increases long-term risk or alleviates risk if you if you know and this sounds almost too simple to be true but if you know what to do with the money then yeah you're gonna increase your chances of success but very often people take on money or maybe too much money and they don't really know what to do with that so you start sort of like maybe hiring people to solve problems that you don't fully understand yourself or just start hiring too many people and think that, you know, you need a lot of people to solve problems is pretty, uh, has been a trend for the last couple of, you know, decade almost, where it's just like more bodies at all these big tech companies are going to solve the problems that they have. And then come the layoffs and the companies are equally uh, efficient, right? And so with VC comes the inexplicit sort of like, now you must grow faster. And that's, uh, yeah, it's a little bit of like, what happens if you take on that money? But it depends because you can have a conversation with the investor and say, hey, you know, listen, we're not going to just like double the workforce because the company will explode if we do that. And so we're going to, you know, we're going to deploy it and do A, B, and C with it uh, because that will increase our chances to hit the targets this year and hit the goals next year. Okay. So this is a great segue into this next question. You know, when I see your team doing its thing online, the first word that comes to mind is flow. And in my experience, flow equals fun. Mm-hmm. Are you hesitant that growing Framer more than 45 people could slow down the flow and the fun? So we made it a, a goal for the company to see if we can get to 100 million in revenue with 100 people. Wow. So that's very uh, crazy ambitious. I don't know many companies that um, that have done that. And so if you are listening to this podcast and you know of companies that have done this, leave them in the comments below because I'd love to talk to them. But I can't think of any. <laughs> I make a little bit of a joke out of it, but but I but I do think you know we 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 want to build a very efficient and productive team, and for that you know you need you need um, a lot of talented folks to work together for quite a long time. It's hard to get really you know maybe you, you call it flow, I call it efficient, but yeah, yeah. you can't really stick ten new people in the room and say build a build a great product and ship weekly updates and have everything be of great quality. You need a lot of like 
working together for years to, to get to that level. And yeah, if we would now hire for the product team, so our product org is maybe 25 people total, one, two, three, three designers and three tech leads. So it's like, yeah, we could probably add an, and, and it's split over four teams, no, three teams three teams total, we could probably build another team, like another a fourth team. The, 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 the product team's big enough that it would be able to find five amazing people and hire them and bake them into the, into the culture. But then getting the team up and running and getting them really good is going to take a year, if not two, yeah. uh, to, to really get in the flow of making great products, making great product decisions, learning everything there is about the platform, about the user, uh, being present in the community, uh, figuring things out that have high impact, low impact, solving bugs, blah, blah, blah. It's not as easy as like, let's just hire 10 engineers, put them on bugs and they'll go fix everything. So back to your $100 million revenue, um, there's pretty much just a long path of hard work and Framer is a billion dollar company. Yes, that is a long path of uh, a lot of hard work that uh, still needs to go into that for sure. I would actually love to be a fly on the wall and, and know how does the conversation go down when Kuhn goes, localization is the most important thing we need to ship next. Yeah. But you're like, no, AI is absolutely the next narrative. <laughs> how do you guys actually decide on what gets done? Between those two, it's funny because we're building both. I can paint a bit of a picture around what we want to achieve with the product team this year. Yeah. And so one is we want to make a lot more people successful building a site period right and so framers now sort of as a website builder people are saying oh it's you know it's easy but it's very powerful if you come from figma you'll feel right at home you can still make anything like you can in webflow and that's very uh, that's amazing but there's still a large portion of people that will just like stare at that canvas and don't know where to start totally they have no clue you know they don't know anything about breakpoints they don't understand anything about like responsive design they they it has a learning curve it's not as easy as cart it's not as easy as squarespace it's not as easy as maybe wix right and those website builders they all fall in the you start with a template and you can modify it but limit it like you can pick a different color pick a different font but nothing really layouts nothing really affects nothing like you can't make it your own. You can make it as professional as you want. And so we have a product team dedicated to make more people successful building the site that they want. And AI is a big component of that because if we can get you to input prompt that describes the type of site that you want, and we can give you, let's say, you know, a seven out of 10 first pass. So it has, you know, it has layout on it, has colors, has type, has copy, there's images and get to that level where Rob has no knowledge about design tools. He's just like, oh, this is amazing. I don't need this section. I want some different colors for that section. And now all of a sudden you're editing, sort of like you're curating output instead of drawing everything from scratch, which is very uh, time consume, consuming and, and few people can do. And even fewer people can do really well. That's also like um, we see all of the output that Framer produces. Um, yeah, I think that with AI, we can make more people better at producing really good output. And so that's one strategy for the company, make more people successful making professional websites. And then the other one is our best clients go all in. And by all in, I mean, they run the full.com on Framer. 
uh, everything, like the whole, not only the landing page, but um, yeah, messagebird.com, twingate.com. There's a few new ones that are coming up. They, they're great examples of sites that run end-to-end on Framer. And we have another team dedicated to making that easier. And for that, we need a few new features. So search was one that we launched just last two weeks ago. Yeah, that's brilliant. Thank you. And um, yeah, we're now in a position where we can offer those features in a really elegant way. Search is just, you know, a, a component you drop on your website, you configure it, and now search works. It's it's kind of nuts. It hurt me a lot because I use WordPress and I spent thousands of dollars integrating Algolia. Yeah. And it's amazing, don't get me wrong, but it's like you just dragged your component in and it just popped up and looked nice. And I was like, no, 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 it's not that. It can't be that easy. Time to switch. <laughs> <laughs> no, dude, yeah, no, we... I will chat to you after this, but yeah, like honestly, that one, that one for me, like it really stung on the WordPress department. It's so difficult to make search look that easy. And that's the beauty of your team. Yeah. You run on WordPress? Yeah, yeah. Um, one page love, 8,000 posts, all WordPress. Yeah. There's a lot happening behind the scenes with AWS and ImageX and Algolia for the search. WordPress search native is the worst search on like the entire planet. <laughs> you want to sort one pages by typeface. Yeah. Like forget about it. To finish the story, then the next one that's really big is um, uh, localization. Yeah. And so being able to translate your uh, web page into into different languages is, is a big one. Huge. Um, Webflow doesn't even have it, which uh, a lot of people have been asking for also for a long time. It's, it, it's hard to build. Uh, it's hard, hard to build and it's hard to make performant. But um, yeah, working on that one. And so, yeah, the, the, the idea is that, or the, 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 the goal of that team is to make it really easy or as easy as possible to run a full framer.com type website on Framer, uh, which you can do. But um, yeah, we, we are going to spend more and more time figuring out how to make that an awesome experience. Uh, the last part of that is figuring out how to get people maybe not only successful in the editor, but also in the CMS or on the live sites. And there's like other ideas of how you, Rob, would um, be comfortable on the on the canvas, but uh, you have a couple of coworkers that you want to pull in a project, but not necessarily like give them canvas access. So yeah, a lot of, lot of exciting stuff uh, all on the, on the roadmap, I think for us. And uh, Kun and I don't really fight that often about what, uh, what goes in. And that's definitely, I think, like, is easier if you have product market fit because customers will tell you, community will tell you, they will, people will tell you, like, this is the most important thing to build next. And so that, that definitely, like, makes it, makes it a lot easier. Brilliant. Let's break into a final intermission. All right. I like to call true, false, or maybe. True, false, or maybe. Okay. All you need to do is shoot back true, false, or maybe. No explanation needed at all you got it okay all right figma expanding into a website builder is keeping you up at night maybe the framer website was built with framer true ai will crush the pre-built website template industry that needs more explanation but i'm gonna go with false or maybe a non-remote core product team is essential to ship consistent quality updates false you spend more of your day in meetings than actually designing and coding uh, sometimes the original sofa from your first company sofa now sits in the framer headquarters true after a framer launch day you have to put your twitter retweet finger on ice false 
<laughs> I can see what you're saying. <laughs> uh, and lastly, your team have a meticulous hype framework for you all to work off pre and post product launches. Uh, true. Nice. Okay. Not meticulous, but we could talk about what framework we do have. But uh, for sure, yeah, we're the hype, the hype, the hype team, right? <laughs> the top of your head, what are the three sort of core ingredients for a successful product drop? You know, like you did with inputs, site search, double X speed. Like, what are the ingredients? Those are all medium-sized releases for us. But every one of them is amplified really well, in my opinion, for a release that can sort of be buried very quickly in another company. What, why? What do you what do you see that makes it stand out for you? For example, like site search. A company will tweet like, hey, this is site search. We've just released it like rad. And then it's all done at the same time. But you sort of have this teaser the week before. Yeah. Then, you know, who, who's it? Is it Ben or your he just does this snippet where you like you actually land up playing it like 15 times <laughs> and it's got this little beat and it actually cuts a little short which is definitely intentional yeah because you're like i actually didn't i need to see it end properly yeah i need to play it again play it again play it again launch day comes you're like oh yeah that's exactly what it was yes then i'm reading the blog post leads me into the other updates is a really good funnel. Yeah, you just described it. I wish I didn't do that, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the thing about like doing a, a good product update is that you have to understand that you're selling something, right? It, it's not just an update. You're selling how it works, how it looks, how you want people to, to perceive it. And, and so it's marketing. And for a small release, that can be as simple. You know, the, 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 the performance update yesterday... Ben makes a beautiful asset. We type up, you know, the most important things that we've improved to to the product, and um, even that asset will people get people excited big time, right? Like the thing, lo it looks good. It, it was gorgeous. It's gorgeous. And so for for like a mid size release, we'll do a little more. Maybe do a teaser uh, the 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 week before. Like this is what's coming. Uh, side search is a quite a big one to be honest. It's not uh, that's not medium size. Like that was. Mm -hmm. Big, big project, two to three months of work, putting it together, maybe like Jan, January, February, March, mid-March. And so that needs to come with, this is how it works. Because even though it's that easy, that still doesn't mean that people will understand how it works. So we have a little recording booth that uh, we can use for for doing a good sound uh, uh, or audio uh, take. Mm. And then uh, the team's pretty good with ScreenFlow to, to record um, a video. Yeah, and then it's you know leveraging the channels that you have to to get it in front of as many people as possible, and and that takes it takes years to build up. So that's also like we also started with a Twitter account with zero followers. Now we have over hundred thousand. The community, you know, we just switched platforms, so kind of like reset accounts, and now there's like over five thousand people there. Over the last eight years, we built an email yeah list uh, newsletter up to you know a lot of people, and so. Now, if we send something out, that means it goes through all those channels. And if the quality of the release is, is, is good enough, then it has a good chance of blowing up. But the really big one, like the ma massive ones, those you only get like once a year, maybe. So last year was the site's release, where it's just something new entirely that you can put on Product Hunt, yeah. that you can make a you know massive trailer for that really like gets people excited about the possibilities. For us, no, no secret, but it is a secret how it's going to work. It is going to be the, the AI release. 
and so yeah we're gonna do a lot of like uh, drum rolling uh, on that one for sure uh, brilliant <laughs> yeah I mean that's literally my next section in 100 okay so Framer has 100 sections pre-designed pre-built is your AI gonna compile them all based on an input think of a use case where someone's got a dog walking business they say I need just the right sections give me some placeholder copy throw in some furry dogs it, it gives them a head start I, where do you see it going in essence yes I guess like a thing to understand for the audience is that we're very far away, I think, from having a true generative AI mm. just like predict what the website needs to look like. Like we have that for, for text, ChatGPT, and we have it for pictures, um, mid-journey. But for websites, it needs to take into account, you know, the browser, layout, responsive design, breakpoints, responsive um, behavior, text, images, color palettes. Yeah, typefaces, contrasts, uh, there's like a lot of, and, and and I don't know of any company that is trying to, in a predictive manner, like uh, ChatGPT and Midjourney is trying to tackle that in that way. So the way that we think this is going to play out is like you, like you described it, it's like, it's sort of like pre-made sections that AI will combine into a website for you. The challenge is to make that look good. And that's a harder challenge than uh, than you would think because like yeah ChatGPT doesn't have taste and doesn't have you know it doesn't have context or awareness of things uh, you know layout elements around it yeah it's been sort of uh, this journey to see you know what sections do we need to create and, and and you want it to be unique yeah right or at least like that's the that's the the dream if we would just take a hundred black and white sections that all look like a wireframe all have the same style, same type, everything the same, then it'd be much easier to feed that to ChatGPT and say, order this based on a prompt because then that that's what it is, right? It's it's 100 sections and you order it based on, you know, we're making a website for Rob Hope. Rob Hope's Yopal podcast includes A, B, and C and uh, hit hit enter. So we're trying to, to, to get to a level where if you do, if you run that prompt five times, you're going to have like three or five different websites, two of them, which are, Mm -hmm. absolutely amazing and three of them that are like okay sort of like the level that we're aiming for maybe more like six out of ten should be pretty pretty on point and then four out of ten could be like meh yo this is matthew smith from bunsen and really good emails i'm coming up on that yo podcast so please subscribe It's interesting to think at this point, the UX, where you actually probably want to compare prompt one and five, because you were like, actually, that version was quite cool. Yep. Can I quickly just store that, save that, bookmark that? Yeah. And then it's like, all of a sudden, you've got 12, the one user who's just like, just done 50. I guess this is the product team's job right now. Yeah. But it's interesting. I'm very excited about what AI can do for... The creative field. I think um, I'm more on the. I'm very much more on the optimistic side, and and not so much on the on the negative. I think uh, it just like helps way more people succeed getting the thing that they want, which is ultimately like that. That that should be our goal: is to get you the website that you want, get you the audio for the podcast that you want, get you the video material that you want, get you the picture that you want. Like for for anyone, not just like for a select few people that have made it. You know their they're the, the only thing that they that they do or that they produce. I'm excited about that part for sure. Speeding up a workflow, there's always going to be value with that. And it's value for everyone. Everyone wins. So where do you see inspiration going? You know, my life is 
curating inspiration, trying to fill certain categories that people are trying to get app one page websites. It's like, I'm just trying to list the best app ones. But now with, you know, AI training over a long time, just scraping all the inspiration galleries out there, you know, that you could almost go to an inspiration AI and go, I would like to know what a good app landing page would look like. And then they would just sort of create one for mm -hmm. you. But it's not an actual work. And this is the problem I have with Dribble is that, you know, most of the concepts never ship yeah. with one page love. It's like, I want to see what actually the end user interacted with. For sure. So everything on one page love was a shipped website. And I feel like that's more true to what people will use. And that's why I feel like the resources value. So do you feel AI and inspiration will clash heads? No, I think like if anything, it's just going to. Uh, amplify, right? But this is true for 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 Dribble too. Like, uh, there's nothing wrong with making something pretty that you, that you like, but that is very different from solving problem for a group of people. Mm -hmm. And so, as long as we don't confuse one with the other, it's fine. You can like put all the pretty pictures that uh, that you want on Dribble, um, but you know they're pretty pictures of could be products, but they never became real products. And so it's inspiration. And for, for AI or for Midjourney, uh, you know, Midjourney's ability to give me pictures, like I love it. It's awesome, right? So you can just play with it and see what it shoots back. It's amazing. Now I can stick it on a website. Yeah. I could uh, send it in a text. I could do something with it, um, but it's not automatically going to make me a successful product or build me a business that generates money or make, make people happy uh, because it's, it's, it doesn't solve anything by itself. No. And so... Can it get to that place? I'm not an AI expert by any means to make a prediction of where it will go. You're gonna have to like invite some people from OpenAI and Midjourney to 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 talk about that. But from what I can see, as a I'm a I'm a user still, right? I'm a designer. I'm a, I'm a user of AI tools. Yeah, I'm almost like empowered to 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 try more new things, which is uh, which I think is 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 awesome. I'm not dependent on mm. can I draw this thing from scratch. I was doing a, a silly thing the other day. I drew a lot of uh, icons and app icons uh, in the first part of my career. Like a, a week ago, I was annoyed with the Discord app icon on my on my Mac. So I start. I'm like, ah, oh, fine, fuck it. I'll redraw it in Figma. <laughs> As you do. That takes so much work. <laughs> it takes so much time. I'm like drawing the thing, like even just putting like the, the rectangle with the right border radius and now I need the SVG on top. You need to like style it. It's like before you know it, you're 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 thirty to sixty minutes in just and then you need to get like an ICNS out of Figma so you need to install a plugin. It's like all these steps. Oh man. In the meantime, I'm in in Discord, I'm chatting with the mid-journey bot and like every ten seconds, like boom, new image, boom, new image. I'm like, these two workflows, this feels very old, that feels very new. How long until that thing will give me what I want, like a hundred percent? And that's that's another like take I have on AI. It's not at the level yet where it will, it can give you a hundred percent what you want, right? It's still, it, it will get very close and it will be extremely impressive. Everything Midjourney produces is, is extremely impressive, yet it is not a hundred percent what I want. Because if I want, you know, if I want full 100% creative control, fire up Cinema 4D and, you know, position all the, all the stuff yourself and get all the lighting right. And even then you, you probably can't get it to a hundred percent of what you want. And so, I don't know, I think there's still, 
a place for both for quite some time, but who knows? Well, we'll, we'll see how fast it goes. Quickly back on the template industry and here are the people pre-designing, pre-building templates. Do you feel that they need to come up with way more comprehensive template bundles to be able to compete with what can be pre-composed with AI? Yeah, so it's a tricky question because I don't know what this will look like yet. Yeah, what I think it will get towards is that templates today are kind of like, it's just a, you know, it's a site that you duplicate and then now you modify it, which is yeah. not really a true template, right? A truer template would be, here's a bunch of building blocks, put them together any way you like. And so, yeah, I'm imagining that the role of a template creator in the future would be more, you would design sections mm -hmm. that the AI can put in on a page for the end user. And so maybe you design 20, 30, 40, 50 sections, you know, 10 different heroes, yeah. 50 different text configurations, 10 footers, 10 dividers, and you put those together in a way that they are responsive and they follow a certain style, but maybe you expose some um, style, stylistic elements as, as variable uh, so that the AI can set a, set a value for maybe border radius or background color. And then your customer or the end user of your template would type in, you know, I, I would use the, the Rob Hope uh, section template and to generate a website for the Yo podcast. And so I would say, hey, I need a website for Yo podcast. It needs to include a header, an audio player, uh, a back catalog, episode list, episode lists. And I want it to be green and mean, whatever. I hit enter. I mean, whatever. Sick. <laughs> And now it's now it's using the sections that you've designed to compile that page for me. That's not what we have built today, but that is what I think this could move towards. Friends, this is Rob from The Edit with a quick reminder. I'm adding clips to YouTube and even dabbling with 60 second YouTube shorts. Just punch in yo.fm forward slash YouTube to load up the playlist. Okay, back to Yon. And, and we haven't really covered how, you know, design is also subjective where, you know, the AI said, hey, this is an elegant wedding site. And you're thinking, nah, this is doesn't look appealing at all. Yeah. You know, and that's that's your taste. So, yeah, I need to train on your taste, maybe input a few sites you like. Yeah, there's lots to do on. Yeah, it is exciting, though. Like, I think the industry, you know, we'll look back in 10 years and go, wow, remember when we talking about templates, like it blew up for sure. Okay, Jon, final question. You know, there are designers listening now who still haven't opened chat GPT. They feel they're scared. Should they run to a different industry? Maybe they're feeling like they're late and they're like, oh, I've already lost out on the opportunity. What advice do you have for any designer listening now who is scared that they're not going to be relevant in the next few years? I wouldn't worry about it so much. <laughs> um, Great answer. Yeah, I have you be fine. You know, I think good advice is um, to design something that has your interest. And uh, if that's AI, good for you. And um, you know that that tends to be the the hype this year, which is which is fine. But try to make something that you would enjoy using yourself would be good advice. That's how I got started. I I fell in love with the aesthetic of the Mac, and I wanted to work at a company at least that made software as aspirational as what I thought was like the best software, uh, which was on the Mac. If you, if you can do that for long enough, what's the, there's a saying here, like uh, it won't feel as if you're actually working if you're just doing something that you love. And so if you, if you, if you really enjoy 
working with AI, that's great. But if you don't enjoy it, yeah, don't force it on yourself. Go do something else that you do like, right? Like, uh, because it's more important to not feel that you're working because you're just having a lot of fun than forcing your career in some way that, uh, who knows how it's going to shake out. Maybe, maybe the hype's over in 12 months. You don't know. And uh, maybe it's over in two months. Maybe we tap out with this level. Probably not, but it doesn't matter. It's just like, okay, maybe yes, maybe no, but it's better to bet on your own interests. Like, what do you, what do you want to do? Like, what, what, what interests you? What, what do you want to work for? What do you want to do more of? That, that is, um, that'd be my advice. F figure that out. You'll never work. Never work another day in your life. Yeah. It'll just feel like fun. That was great, man. It was so good to chat to you. So amazing to hear where Framer is going. But it was a pleasure being on your podcast. Uh, where can people follow your journey online? First and foremost, Framer.com. Most important uh, URL to put in the description below. But uh, just Twitter.com slash Jorn van Dijk is where I uh, am most active. I'm not that big on uh, LinkedIn or Instagram, but uh, Twitter is my still my thing. Even, even through all the ups and downs over the last years, I like it. Brilliant. Thanks for being on the show, Jorn. Yeah, thanks for having me. If you got this far on the outro track, you are definitely my kind of people. Please email mypeople at robhub.com. I'd like to send you something small. Catch you in the next one. <laughs>